Hi, everybody. Stefan Molyneux here with our good friend, Mike. Uh, and uh, we are going to talk about the year in review. Are you curious how our show is doing? We certainly are. And so we have done some number crunching and uh, we have found out some very, very interesting things. I'm going to let Mike sort of step us through some of the numbers and uh, you can get a sense of the big stuff in this show, how we've grown and what are the most popular shows that we do. Of course, that's going to help guide us in 2017, but I think it's a very great interest, particularly for those of you who are supporting this show, you know, at freedomainradio.com slash donate. We work for you, and uh, I guess like all good employees, we'd like to give you an accounting of how we're doing. So, Mike, do you want to sort of step us through, ah, the blowout year called 2016? Yeah, you know, it's, a lot of these numbers pretty much snuck up on me because there is this giant blob called the election cycle. Like, <laughs> it, I... I think 2015 and 2016 just kind of merged in my mind now, which just pre-election and post-election. The gelatinous cube of democracy ate us whole, and we just sort of hung there, suspended like flies in amber, frantically working away. <laughs> so as I compiled these numbers, I'm like, really? It can't be right. Oh, no. It ends up being right. So to put in perspective, I've added 2014 in there, too. So total podcast published. Now, that's probably the best marker because we publish lots of the call-in shows, um, the separate calls and the call-in shows as separate videos. But as far as total shows that we did, the podcast stream is the best way to determine that. So 2014, we did 301 podcasts. So 301 shows. That's pretty impressive. Um, 2015, we dipped a little bit into 286. So we were slacking that year, Steph, clearly. Um, but 2016, and I, <laughs> I still don't believe this, we, and the year's not over yet. This one counts as well. We've done 378 plus. Oh, no. No wonder I'm a little tired. <laughs> yeah, that would explain it, wouldn't it? Yeah, so that's 32% more shows from 2015 in this year. So Wait, wait. Will we crack but, 400 but, next year, Steph? But but how many more people are working at the show, Mike? <laughs> zero. That would be a big fat zero. Zero. Yeah. So yeah, that that would explain you know possible feelings of slight burnout over the course of the last uh, several months. That would explain it. Quite and a, bit. a sense of the blur, yeah, like, you know, this hamster wheel of of studio time. So yeah, that, that's that's. What, but you know, if there was a year to do extra shows, then 2016 was in fact that year, just with the Brexit Trump phenomenon, that that was the year to hit the gas, right? That was the year to pull out the afterburners. Oh, you know, when the future of Western civilization is on the line, that's when you go without that extra hour sleep. You you don't sleep in on the weekend. (laughs) You get down to the studio and put in some additional work. Absolutely. So now, obviously, more shows means more downloads, but it's more downloads by a significant margin, you know, more than just per show. So in 2014, in podcast downloads, around 19 million, about, not bad. 2015, that was up to 21 million, again, not bad. That was a 10.5% increase from the prior year in just podcast downloads. In 2016, we went from 21 million to 61 million, which is a 190% increase from 2015, or a 221% increase from 2014. So yes, the podcast stream is incredibly popular, and part of this was aided by our most popular podcast, without question, are the call-in shows. We added an additional call-in show during that time period, so lots of people are downloading the call-in shows, and we're getting podcast downloads going through the roof this year. So that seems like a big (laughs) increase, and it is, and this is one of the reasons why we are talking about the influence that the show is having and, and how much it's growing, and um uh, I'm I'm incredibly proud of the work that we did this year. Um, you know, on, on the tombstone, just 
2016. That's all, all that needs to be there <laughs> as far as influence. I mean, moving forward, of course, we're going to continue to work to be even more relevant. And there's no reason why we can't continue with those kinds of numbers. And um, that is, I guess, one of the benefits that really digging into an election cycle can help give the show is to expose more people to philosophy because philosophy is embedded in everything that we do here. So if we're doing something on current events, there's a philosophical element. I mean, that's what we do. We always talk about doing shows. We say, well, what can we bring that's different? And what we bring, of course, is core philosophical values and a methodology and a process of reason and evidence. So uh, everywhere that we reach, everyone that we reach with whatever show we're doing is an introduction to philosophy and draws them into the sticky web of the Socratic method. So uh, that is fantastic. And you're right. I mean, it did kind of did did kind of creep up a little, but uh, those are. Some I was pretty, pretty shocked looking at those numbers this morning. It's yeah. like really okay. <laughs> those are I knew it was an increase. I didn't know it was that much of an increase. Now, so that's that's on the podcast side, and and for those who you know just watching this on YouTube or know the show mostly through YouTube, um, that's handy and and it's well worth. But you know the key thing is you know it's people are always complaining about the length of the shows, and it generally happens on YouTube. But of course, if you go to fdrpodcasts.com. You can set up your smartphone or your computer or your tablet to automatically download new shows through the feed. Uh, and you can do that through a variety of, of sources. And that's a way to go. Um, now, of course, on YouTube, you can play this, the, uh, the shows a little bit faster. Uh, you can do that, of course, uh, if you want through your podcast delivery mechanism. But uh, uh, for those who are used to seeing the visual free domain radio experience, remember that the podcast, kind of where we started, and that really is, there's a lot more material in the podcast than sometimes makes it to the um, the uh, video feed if we're not doing video for a call-in show and so on. So just remember that's an important aspect. Uh, how did we do on the uh, on the YouTube side? Okay, on the YouTube side, so for a baseline, in 2014, you did 23.5 million views, somewhere in that range. So then in 2015, that got bumped up to around 29 million views, so a 23% increase from 2014. 2016, up to just under 65 million views plus, because, you know, the year's not over yet. So that's a 123% increase from 2015, 175% increase from 2014. So yay for YouTube views. They done gone through the roof. Well, and I think I think the key metric or the key takeaway from all of that is just how much prettier I've become. Uh, and I think that <laughs> is really drawing the views. I mean, uh, I obviously get prettier every year, as as most people do. Uh, this, of course, was my breakout year of beauty. And that is the, the wonderful aspect of the election cycle. It just happened to coincide with me me being extra pretty. So that All your donations are just going to buffing Steph's forehead on a daily basis. <laughs> the sheer amount of employees, the illegal immigrants that come in to <laughs> operate the machinery to buff Steph's forehead. Oh, it's it's a big convoluted this, process. This bowling ball wax doesn't grow on trees, people. Whee! Got to keep it, got to keep it shiny. Uh, well, another interesting YouTube thing is watch time, which is one of the key YouTube metrics. So in 2015, watch time, and this is tough to get your head around, we did 323 million minutes. Okay, so <laughs> 323 million minutes of watch time. I'll break that down into something more comprehensible in a second. 2016, we did over 868 million minutes of watch time. So overall watch time, the number of times that people are actually, you know, minutes watching the videos has increased 168% this year from the prior year. So to put that in some level of perspective, that's 603, um, 603,191 days of watch time or 
<laughs> 1,651 years of watch time just on the videos alone. So somewhere in the world, someone is always listening to Steph, and apparently he never shuts up. You know, it's funny because I remember when I was younger listening to bands that I really liked, and I would think, you know, these bands, like, I, I remember thinking if somebody gave me the offer to say, you can live until someone stops listening to whatever band it was that I was into at the time, uh, mm. you know, until that, there's a moment in time where that music is not being played somewhere in the world, you can live until that time. And I'd say, well, yeah, I mean, because that would mostly be immortality if you, you know, choose a particularly famous band. And now, of course, that could be argued, you know, just, just this last year, we've gone from the birth of Christ to the mid 17th century, just in terms of uh, people, people listening, you know, it laid end to end all these podcasts of people listening. That is a truly astonishing thing. And um, that is an immensely powerful, uh, you know, multi-millennia um, injection of, of reason and evidence, philosophy, clear thinking, uh, empathy, compassion, curiosity, and um, sometimes the kind of moral toughness you need in debates. Uh, that is a wonderful thing to have injected into the world. Because, you know, there, there are forces trying to make the world more crazy, and then there are forces trying to make the world more sane. And uh, I think we have acquitted ourselves with great honor on the battlefield uh, this year. Oh, and the forces that are trying to make the world more crazy certainly seem to have a lot more resources than the forces trying to make the world a bit more sane. So they might have you. two webcams, you know? <laughs> so, so. so thank you for everyone that supported the show and made this kind of work possible. Well, and, and not just this year, but of course prior to, right? I mean, success in general is like a hockey stick, right? I mean, this is, you know, this, it's the 10-year overnight success. So yeah, this has been a breakout year of a massive expansion and growth and, and uh, creating networks and friendships and alliances that I hope will last a lifetime, and I think will. But all the people who were donating prior to this sort of breakout year, well, you're why this breakout year occurred. It didn't just occur uh, because of the election. It occurred because people gave me the space to get better at what I do over the years until this year. So, you know, to, to win Wimbledon is a whole lot of training that nobody really knows about or sees beforehand. And so I just really wanted to thank everyone who, from the beginning of this show uh, over 10 years ago, has uh, helped me train and prepare for this kind of breakout year. Uh, everybody who donated at the beginning, everyone who's donated all along. Of course, the people this year, thank you, fantastic as well. But uh, there's a lot of unsung heroes back at the beginning who helped get me into fighting shape. It's it's funny to think of it, you know, as a breakout year, because it's not exactly as if you were wallowing in obscurity for the previous <laughs> years. But this year has just been mental on many different levels. And another thing that I think people will find interesting is what were the most popular shows? You know, again, this is stuff that we think about because, oh, people like something. We'd like to give them more of it if it's something they're interested in. But I don't know that just the average person listening or watching to the show pays attention to this. So, and they, Sorry, they, you need to know this too, because when we make decisions about shows, they may rub against your gourd, right? I mean, you might have some particular kind of show that you like, but uh, and, and of course we want to satisfy that. We want to satisfy what we want to do, but we're a market-facing organization. We gotta, we gotta please the folks, so that's why this is important to know. Oh, I was thinking, you know, when it comes to diversity, diversity is actually a strength when it comes to the number of topics covered on this show. Yeah. <laughs> I, I still don't understand how certain shows, they focus on one topic or two topics. I'd probably go mental over the course of the span of a week having to only cover one thing. So uh, I was even getting tired of the election cycle towards the end there. But, you know, the fight waged on. But it's so great that we get to cover such a multitude of topics. And there really is no limit to topics that we can cover on the show if people are interested in them. Because you can always apply philosophy to current events or situations. You know, philosophy is a big umbrella under which a lot of topics fall. So 
When it comes to what was the most popular podcast overall, lots of people, this shouldn't be a surprise, but The Fall of Rome is pretty much 1A on that discussion. And people can I tell you why that's so important of... for me, Mike? <laughs> How much time did he spend oh, on The Fall of Rome man. stuff? The Fall of Rome, you know, there are some, there are some roll out of bed presentations, uh, and then there are some which is just like, you, you basically have to read the internet and then start again in case anything <laughs> new came along. So that took so long to put together and was, of course, a three hour recording, which is not sort of one uh, fell swoop. And so I'm very glad that the the work to payoff ratio, which which isn't always one to one in this show, I'm so glad that that work to pay, uh, work to uh, payoff ratio uh, really hit the big time with that one. And of course, it is uh, I think a pretty timeless uh, presentation. Actually, you could say getting more relevant every day. So, well, and we're going to continue the modern parallels series, looking at historical events, given that it's so popular. You know, you're already looking. Well, I, I won't let the cat out of the bag. But we've discussed some other historical events that we're going to go through. And, uh, you know, it, it's popular. So we're going to do it for people. But I should also mention that, uh, well, Full of Rome was 1A in podcast downloads. The Christmas show, the five-hour Christmas show, was 1B. It is currently... I just checked before the show. It's 1,000 downloads away from the fall of Rome, so it's probably going to eclipse yes. it. Turn off the servers. The of Turn off the servers <laughs> right now so that the fall of Rome can win. And what, what's, what, again, I also appreciate about that was, of course, I mean, the guests were fantastic, and these are all wonderful new friends that we've, most of whom we've met this year, except for yeah. um, uh, Alex Jones. Uh, and, Bill Whittle. and Bill Whittle. These are all people we met this year, which is wonderful to to reach out and make new friends. It's shocking yeah. to me that we didn't do a show with Paul Joseph Watson before February 4th of this year. Like I looked at that. I'm yeah. like, that cannot be true. Yeah. But apparently it is. Yeah. Yeah. And congratulations to Paul for a fantastic year as well, uh, as well as Mike Cernovich and other people that we know. So the five hour Christmas show, uh, I mean, obviously, most people downloaded it to get my minute 10 song at the end. Um, and had to, of course, slog through a lot of great interviews to get there. And I really appreciate everyone uh, who um, wait, wait, waited for that. <laughs> so after those two, which are leading the charge, it's all call-in shows. It is all call-in shows down the road until we get to several interviews, which we'll mention in a second. But the most popular call-in show was one that occurred November 18th. It was titled, Is America Headed for a Race War? And Hey, Steph, I'm sure you remember this conversation. It was a really engaging conversation with uh, a black caller with his concerns about the black community and how he's going to fit in if there is continued racial strife. And I just remember that it stands out to me as one of the most enjoyable chats on the show in quite a while. Well, he had a he had a um, an Eastern European wife, if I remember rightly. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, yeah, that that's fun. You got, uh, uh, you know, you've got your ebony and ivory marriage and, you know, there's increasing racial tensions. Yeah, he was a he was a great caller. And um, that was a that was a great calling show. And, you know, people, of course, don't obviously agree with everything that, that goes on at the show. And that's perfectly fine. Uh, that's natural. I mean, uh, that's it would be crazy, too. Right. That would not be. I'd be concerned if people did agree with every <laughs> single don't. thing that was said I mean, on the show. I don't agree with everything I've said over the past 10 years. So I hope that you don't either. But uh, I, I do really appreciate that uh, there is an open space for people to come in and talk about concerns where there is a lot of political, politically correct charged tensions around it. And the fact that there's an open space where people can come in and talk about things which would may get them in trouble in other shows or may get them in trouble with their friends and family. If people have called in and said, you know, I can't talk about this with anyone, but I feel there's a space here. That is a wonderful thing because these are necessary and important conversations. And the more we have them, the more likely it is we're going to find productive and peaceful solutions. So 
uh, I am very thrilled that uh, people have that space to uh, to call in and talk. And um, I just find it a wonderfully um, productive and electrifying sphere where we can just have conversations without waiting for someone's offense tripwire to, to sort of blow up the entire thing. Yeah, great, great point. And the most popular podcast interviews, which the, the podcast interviews are not nearly as popular as the Colin shows, but um, the top ones, without question, are the recent discussion with Lord Moncton. The recent this this surprised me. I wasn't expecting this one. The recent discussion you had with Dr. Michael Woodley about um, IQ and all all that Everything. kind of stuff. That, yeah, <laughs> pretty much the future of Western civilization. Um, <laughs> he was great. He innovation was great. over time. Yeah. Oh he yeah, was, I, he was fantastic. I was thrilled to see that one do so well because that may be the most interesting interview for me that we've done this year as far as the sheer depth of knowledge that someone has. And also on this list is Vox Day. People love the long-form interviews with Vox Day, so those are certainly going to continue into the new year and beyond. And uh, we already got some stuff on the calendar. So and, and if you've only fun. heard Vox Day, first of all, go onto YouTube, watch it. You have to see the chair. Your you twin? Have, you have to see the chair. Yeah, yeah, that's right. You, you, line, you line Vox Day, Phil Collins, and I up, and it's like, sorry, can't pick out who did the lineup. <laughs> I can't pick you out in the lineup, but uh, yeah, see the You're the bald guy in the white room, and Vox is the bald guy on the throne. In the so giant like, vampire Good throne. versus... <laughs> right. Casually <laughs> munching a on a contrast. human skull. But yeah, no, uh, I appreciate that. Now, he's, he's a great guy to chat with. Yeah, actually love the shows you do with Vox. So now, on the YouTube side of things... Um, Steph, what's the top YouTube video we've done in views this year? What is it? The story of your enslavement. <laughs> well, okay. We, we first must say videos released this year, oh, not fine. videos that have, yes, yes, yes. There are some hits. There are some classics that continue to perform really, really well. I guess you have to keep writing songs after really, really Bohemian well. Rhapsody too, right? So. <laughs> so the story of your enslavement, again, is the most popular video from this year in overall views. But the most popular video that we released this year in 2016 was The Untruth About Donald Trump, which makes me incredibly happy given the sheer amount of work. This is my fall of Rome when it comes to preparation. The Actually, this is your prevention of the fall this. of Rome, but I know what you're <laughs> Great point. <laughs> So yes, The Untruth About Donald Trump was far and away the top YouTube video, which I am absolutely thrilled about. And I, I still get messages from people that say, you know, I found, A, I found the show through The Untruth About Donald Trump, and I was a Bernie Sanders supporter, or I was a liberal, or I was not political, I didn't understand any of this stuff, I thought the media was telling me the truth, and then I look at this video, and I was like, well, this can't be right. So then they go look at the, the source notes, oh, 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 goodness, it does appear to be right. So a whole lot of skepticism of the mainstream media was uh, thrown into the minds of the average person through the untruth about Donald Trump, and I just couldn't be happier about that. So I, I'm thrilled that that's the number one YouTube video, and it hasn't hit a million yet, so there's a little part of me that's like, oh. But if you factor in podcast downloads, it's well over a million, so. Well, and don't forget, there is, um, you know, there's the, um, uh, the, uh, the torrent threads and all of the stuff we can't even track, which is where a lot of people oh, get Oh, there's re-uploads and all that. It's, yeah, if you factor in that stuff, it's without question. Well, and if you go to Reddit, stuff. right, the, the Donald's uh, subreddit, um, you can see, I mean, there's page after page of people saying it was the untruth about Donald Trump that woke me up. That, so to me, there was a huge plus that we bring out facts uh, about a candidate that are very, very important. And number two, of course, 
we reveal just how perfidious the media actually is. <laughs> so, you know, mm-hmm. to me, that was such a, a one to uh, for the future that it was, uh, it, was a, it was a great presentation. And Mike was the one who worked very, very hard on pulling out all of that information together. And, uh, you know, he wrote the song. I hit a few notes and uh, it, it combined to to really help bring a lot of illumination to the election cycle. We still have not been able to confirm or deny whether Donald Trump is indeed Batman, but we're working on that. And maybe in 2017, we'll get access to that information. I'm sure Putin has it. (laughs) Well, the second most popular show was The Truth About the Orlando Terrorist Attack, which um, was, I mean, one of the top videos on YouTube regarding that whole situation at the time. And uh, not much more to say about that, but people do seem to look at us as the source for honest um, discussions and honest presentations of facts when it comes to the terrorist attacks. Because if you look in our most popular videos, the top 25 list, which is featured on uh, youtube.com slash radio, we've put together a list of the 25 most popular videos of this year. It's a lot of stuff about terrorism, unfortunately, and the migrant crisis in Germany and Europe as a whole. So people do seem to come to us as a destination source for that information. And that was our number two video of the year. Number three, Steph? I'm sure this will make you happy. The fall of Rome. The fall of Rome. (laughs) Excellent. (laughs) Number four was, this makes me happy, because I am not a fan of Ted Cruz by any means, and not particularly supportive of the idea of him being put on the Supreme Court, but that's a subject for another time, is the truth about Ted Cruz. That was the fourth most popular YouTube video of all time, and there's a lot of people that have said, wow, I watched your truth about Ted Cruz video, and uh, not so much with the supporting of Ted Cruz anymore. So that makes me very, very, very happy. And this is just a note to everyone in America uh, and and around the world. It's very important that Mike likes you. That is very, (laughs) very important. Do not annoy the Mikeness uh, or mass tragedy will ensue. you. Well, I would hope the presentations rely more on just my my whim in the moment as far as if I like someone, but I know what you mean. But yeah, I'm uh, I am not a fan of Ted Cruz for reasons that we've laid out in the show over time. And if it comes up to the Supreme Court situation, especially given how he doesn't seem to understand what a natural born citizen is, which he's got his own personal bias there, so I can kind of understand it. And he's kind of been wonky on several things regarding immigration in the past. You know, says the right things now, but not exactly so sure about it. Um, yeah, we'll we'll talk about that in the future, but uh, I vote no, (laughs) if it means anything. I vote no regarding Ted Cruz on the Supreme Court. It will mean something if you put a presentation together, let's just (laughs) put it that way. Well, that'll that'll happen. Um, And number five was the post-celebration of Brexit with Paul Joseph Watson that you had, which people people enjoyed the song that you sung after Donald Trump won the election um, in November, and this was essentially a big... (laughs) <laughs> a big celebration that Brexit, uh, the referendum, actually went to those that wanted to leave the European Union with you and Paul Joseph Watson. And it's a, it's a great chat even now. And it's, uh, it's interesting because a couple of days after Brexit, you and Paul laid out exactly what was going to happen as far as how they were going to try and prevent from actually conducting the Brexit. You know, the, the number of steps and delays and things that were going to be thrown in the way. I mean, you guys laid it out beautifully, and that's kind of what has happened. So, again, you know, you can put that in the, boy, you guys knew what you were talking about folder. 
because you damn sure did. We'll, we'll do a whole show on predictions that we got right and, and things maybe that we, we got wrong as well. But the key thing about the, um, the, the Trump victory song uh, is that the biggest crowd that Queen ever played to uh, was close to 300,000. I think it was in uh, South America. Um, and the fact that, that it's almost the same number for the video views of my song means that I'm basically exactly the same as Freddie Mercury. Oh, my lifelong dream has ha oh, has been has been achieved. So uh, I know it was that uh, was a great night, and uh, it was nice. Of course, you know a, a lot of this stuff, like the anti-lefty, anti-establishment stuff, anti-mainstream media stuff. It's it's a, it's a slog sometimes. It feels like you're running out a bit of a greased uh, a hamster wheel. But uh, when you have a time for positivity and celebration, um, I think that's that's nice. That the, that's the oasis that people like to stop at to recharge. Well, especially your your entrenched in battle fighting against what i view as the forces of evil so often and so long it's nice to have something to celebrate because there's many times where it looks fairly dark it did not look good for brexit uh, even the night yeah. before and uh, that was uh kind of kind of stunning in, in many ways and and really gave people a lot of energy for what happened in america over the summer and fall I certainly think so. And oddly enough, I, I, the top YouTube interviews we did, it's, it's Paul Joseph Watson and Paul Joseph Watson and Paul Joseph Watson. Paul Joseph Watson is by far our most popular interview guest on YouTube. And uh, the two most popular ones, coincidentally, are the pre- and post-Brexit chats that you guys had. So, Also, Milo. That shouldn't be a shock to anyone. People really enjoyed the Milo interview on YouTube, got lots of attention. And it's not just podcast forum, so you get to see his gorgeous face. Oh, man, if, if charm or sugar, that man would give you diabetes just by caressing <laughs> you with his words. So, uh, yes. And uh, as of great. recording this, he has the, the second most popular book for his new book release, which is coming out in March, on Amazon, on all of Amazon. So it's a pre-release. It's not even out yet. And it's number two on Amazon. Boy, they sure got rid of him by banning him from Twitter. That, that sure was <laughs> effective. Good job, That's everyone. Right. You know, he's he's been testing the uh, the old adage that uh, there's no such thing as bad publicity for years. And uh, this is uh, certainly proof. Uh, I'm sure the book will be great. I'm certainly looking forward to it. I already got my pre-order in, so I'm looking forward to it as well. And the third, the third most popular interview guest on YouTube, and this kind of surprised me, not because it wasn't a great discussion, but it just kind of snuck up on me. But the conversation about the state of Sweden with Ingrid Carlquist right. was she was one of our most popular guests on YouTube. And that also did really good in podcast downloads. So we'll certainly have Ingrid on again in the new year. It's, it's not like there's a shortage of things to discuss regarding what's happening in Sweden. But yeah, that was one of our most popular interview guests of the year was Ingrid. So, Well, in a place in the world where some women are, are reportedly dyeing their blonde hair black to try and avoid being preyed upon, uh, I think it's a pretty hot topic. And I, I mean, enormously, one of the things I'm enormously proud of what this show did over this last year or so was to give a voice to people in Europe who have some issues with current yeah. policies. Uh, they don't have much of a voice. And we really did help broadcast concerns to a much wider audience. Uh, and that is part of a discussion that is very necessary and is being fairly um, strenuously suppressed in certain places. So uh, I'm very, very pleased with that. Uh, I wish it didn't have to be done, but I'm very glad that we did it. And there are certain key European elections that are occurring this year. Well, no, next year, this coming year. I'm already in 2017 in my head um, that we will certainly be covering in exquisite detail because they pretty much are going to spell the future of those countries and possibly Europe as a whole when it comes to what happens. So we will certainly be covering those. You can expect more interviews. You can expect more presentations. But yeah, 2017, it's going to be a big focus without question. So I thought it was interesting too, Steph. I was going through like, okay, when did we do our first shows with people? And it, it, it did kind of jar me 
that many of my favorite guests that we've ever had are all people that we met this year. I mean, there's people like Bill Whittle and Peter Schiff and that, that we've been on the show previous. Um, but like even I mentioned Paul Joseph Watson, the first show you guys did together on our channel was February 4th. Vox Day. First show was March 22nd of this year. Duke Pesta. I love Duke Pesta. June 9th of this year. Mike Cernovich, possibly my favorite guest. Um, June 13th, first show. Charles C. Johnson. Love Charles. July 13th of this year was the first show you guys did. Scott Adams. Gotta love Scott Adams. August 18th, first show. Dave Rubin, September 22nd. Ann Coulter. First time we got you together with Ann Coulter, who, you know, I will just say this too, lots of people, they're like, I can't believe you'd have Ann Coulter on your show. I was in this camp, the, the left has been so great as far as brainwashing people about Ann Coulter. Do not criticize Ann Coulter until you've actually read her books. I mean, read an Ann Coulter book and then come with the criticism. She is an absolutely stone genius, brilliant woman. The conversation that Steph had with her is, I think, one of my favorite chats we've had on the channel just for the sheer importance of it. If you don't understand the demographic fallout from this election and what's happened since the 1965 Immigration Act, you don't understand American politics and you don't understand where Western civilization is headed as a whole. So that chat occurred on October 5th. Fantastic discussion. And yeah, it was great to finally get her on the show this year. And I'm sure we'll do some new stuff in 2017. I've been a fan of her for so many years, it's not often that I have to breathe into a paper bag repeatedly before doing an interview and not scream, <laughs> scream like a 13-year-old girl at her first Beatles concert. So, yes, that was a great thrill. And Steph was the one that red-pilled me on Ann Coulter. I still remember we were at a, a libertarian <laughs> event and uh, sitting at lunch, and he says, so I was reading um, the latest Ann Coulter book, and I'm just like, Ann Coulter, and my my John Stewart-ingrained programming just, like, grabbed control of my brain, and I'm like, I, I can't believe you would read Ann Coulter. And Steph's like, no, have you actually read her stuff? I'm like, well, no, no. Oh, I appear to have some bias, and I'm a moron. Okay, great. So <laughs> then I actually read her work, and it's, oh, my goodness, some of the best research stuff you will find on central topics throughout the history of not just America, but uh, some of the core issues facing the world today. So, And a very it. elegant and witty and passionate writer. Um, you know, if, if, since I write, uh, when you see someone else who does such a fantastic job, and, and nonfiction is, is not that easy, you know, to keep it sort yeah. of engaging and interesting and all of that. And she... Um, and she's just she you, she drags you like like a Wookiee with a robot behind her prose, you know, just fantastic, uh, engaging stuff. Uh, agree or disagree, it's incredibly thought provoking. And uh, she also takes angles that I've not heard from anyone else. And that kind of originality is something to be greatly treasured. And uh, and she said what twelve twelve I think now number one New York Times bestsellers. New York Times I don't think has ever reviewed one of her books, but uh, and and she's a great person too because. You know, it exposes the lie of feminism. Feminists should be incredibly proud of this woman, but they're not uh, because uh, they they attack her regularly because she's on the uh, on the right, and therefore you understand. It helps she helps expose a, a lot of things. So that was a great great thrill for me. And Anne does seem to be the lightning rod that gets it worse than just about any female on the right, without question, as evidenced by that roast that occurred for someone else where they spent the entire night calling Ann Coulter the c-word. So, yeah, that's not great, but it certainly does expose the hypocrisy of the left when it comes to, we must treat women properly. Well, not if they're on the right, of course. Yeah. And uh, also did the first show with Milo this year, mm -hmm. November 6th. And again, one of our most popular interviews on YouTube and looking forward to his book. It was a, that was a wonderful discussion. So I'm sure there'll be more along those lines coming in the new year. But yeah, it's 2016 overall. I mean, you think of the election, you think of the U.S. election, you think of Brexit, you think of all the people that um, we've come in contact to, Steph, or, or 
you know, had on the show and relationships that we've forged. I mean, 2016 is just a real kick-ass year without any and all question. I mean, it's, it's the favorite year of my life. I can say that without even the slightest bit of hesitation. And I am pretty jazzed to see where we're going to go in 2017. Not just the show, but where the world's going to go, because a lot of important stuff is on the line. And it seems like the side of good, the people that are not just massive pro-violence are uh, are are gonna are gonna do pretty well if things fall the way uh, they're looking and trending current day. I think we'll be fine unless the Russians hack us. If the Russians hack us, <laughs> of course, uh, then there will be um, big big challenges, and we'll have to explain to our donors exactly why we wasted all their money. But oh wait, sorry, sorry, wrong wrong organization. I'm back. No, and I, you know I think the other thing that's great too, and it's been a year of fantastic success for for the show, for, for what it is that we're doing. And I'm very comfortable with it. I'm very pleased about it. I'm looking for more. Uh, and um, it hasn't destabilized me. It's not like, oh, no, you know, all these people watching, all these people listening, you know, that, that's sort of the point. And I think that's partly because if something takes a long time to come and you work very hard for it, it doesn't kind of mess you up when it comes about. You know, I, th- I think some of the overnight successes and all of that, I think it'd be really kind of dizzying. But, you know, when you've spent 30 years and it's like, oh, 31st year. Oh, look. <laughs> people are actually listening. It's not something that's freaky. It's not something that's weird. It's something that I'm sort of very pleased about, very comfortable with, and very um, uh, interested in engaging uh, further uh, and and more uh, down the road next year. I mean, 2017 is going to be the huge. 2016 is preparation. 2017 is, is execution. And uh, that's where we're going to have to really um, get in there, get in, in the world's face and, and make the case that, you know, some people find uncomfortable, but is absolutely necessary uh, for, you know, various elections and all this political stuff that's going on. So yes, there will be some politics. Uh, I don't think it would be because qu- it's more rhythmic. It's not going to be quite as, in a sense, 24-7 as 2016 yeah. was, but uh, we are very uniquely positioned to be able to uh, have the kind of effect uh, on on certain decisions uh, in 2017 that we may have had in 2016. And, um, you know, I, I sort of feel like uh, the world has, you know, our, our sort of dance with the world has put us into a position where we can do quite a lot of good. And again, that's a lot to do with listeners, the donations at freedomainradio.com slash donate. It's got to do with people who like, subscribe and share and talk about the show. Uh, it's got to, to do with the people who push back on the occasional haters, you know, just everyone who's participating should take a bow and, and be part of this uh, most successful philosophical conversation in history. And I'm incredibly uh, grateful to everyone out there who's taken the time to engage with us in whatever fashion. Uh, it has been um, what has propelled us to where we are. And we are so well poised for 2017. I, we, we couldn't have planned it any better, I think. Oh, you said it beautifully, Steph. And one thing, too, that I'll add is there's not many people that are in a good position to offer criticism of the new Trump administration that haven't gone completely (laughs) off the rails previous regarding criticism of Trump. So for the people that have, you've done lots of pro-Donald Trump shows. Well, those are actually, let's talk about the truth and expose mainstream media lie shows. I, I have immense respect for Donald Trump. I'm not saying that I don't. But in 2017, if there is criticism or course correction that is necessary, we are very well poised to offer very detailed, statistical, data-driven breakdowns as to the course correction that should happen. And the fact that we didn't just have emotional freakouts along the way regarding, you know, the mainstream media said this about Trump or there was a van how many years ago, how many, how many, and this occurred, puts us in a great position to have a very fact-based discussion about what's important moving forward in the United States and Western civilization 
as a whole. So talking about being poised in 2017, I think that's a very important factor that is often underappreciated by some. Well, you know, having having influence on power is a long game. It, it's a it's a long game. Uh, you don't just do it in the moment. You have credibility to credibility as a whole. Yeah, you have is yeah, a long having, game. Yeah, having credibility as a whole. I don't know if people, if you're listening to this or watching this, I don't know if you've ever had a nag in your life, you know, but, but you, you stop listening to them. Like they have such a negative attitude that they simply have no influence over you anymore. Uh, because you know, that all they do is sort of finger wag and another thing, you know, and it's like, Oh God, <laughs> you know, like stop, stop. Uh, and so the fact that we sort of been a positive, uh, influence and positive effect means that if we have, uh, and there will be, there will be criticisms, of course, just as there are course corrections that we have to make and criticisms that are validly applied against what I do, there will be criticisms, of course, nobody's perfect. And they have the much more difficult task. The Trump administration has the much more difficult task of execution in a complex, um, political and economic and social and cultural milieu. And so yeah, there will be course corrections and we have, we are in a unique position um, not the only, but we are sort of a, in a unique position to have credibility with the people who are listening because they know that we're not just coming from a place of negativity and leftism and hatred and whatever it is that we're not. Here's my weird emotional bias. Yeah, Let me vomit it in your general direction. Right. Nope. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so people don't understand that uh, it's not some big strategy or anything like that. But the reality is that when you follow the truth wherever it leads, you just gain a certain amount of credibility that you can't replicate any other way. And uh, so um, when there are missteps, as there will be naturally, as there would be if you or I were doing that job, then we're in a position to uh, help people understand a better course of action. And they're going to be much more open to listening to us. And that's how you actually <laughs> try to help people who are affecting positive change in the world. Uh, and a lot of people don't, don't understand that because they're looking at the next five minutes rather than the next five years. Well, and on the credibility front, too, it's, it really strikes me this year. Like if you go back, just go back 365 days and see what certain people were saying at the end of 2015 about, you can say, Donald Trump or just as a whole regarding the way culture is headed, this or that, let alone going back five years, let alone going back 10 years, what people have said. Uh, I think we're like one of the few shows that we, I certainly encourage people to go back and look through our archives um, of the shows that have been done. You know, even the shows that have been done long before I started working with stuff on the show. There is so much stuff that is rock solid, completely damn accurate, and uh, predicted things exactly how it will go. Eventually, we'll put together the Stefan Molyneux was right show, which is shamelessly ripping off the Peter Schiff was right video that, uh, you know, <laughs> spread worldwide in a viral fashion after the housing crash. But it's a long list. It might be longer than the fall of Rome. <laughs> might take as long to compile as well, but it's it's a whole bunch of stuff. And yeah, I encourage people to go back through the archives, take a look at previous predictions. We're in the near future going to be putting out a video where Steph responds to his predictions for what happened to Barack Obama or what happened with Barack Obama's presidency eight years ago. And let's just say you kind of nailed it. <laughs> so um, Mike had also asked me what were my favorite shows over the last year mm -hmm. and uh it's tough to you know I, I this love is a all. tough question yeah, tough, but, but i sort of i made a couple of notes so trump derangement syndrome triggered i love really? that guy I, I, it's not my favorite favorite but you know I, this is in no particular order this is sort of just going back through time um i, I love that conversation i really really uh, loved it at, at every conceivable level the christmas I would just say it's a little tougher for me to listen to those because it's people treating my friend very poorly it's, and got, it's, like, it's got nothing uh... to do with me but no i mean i, I appreciate that but uh, no i i like that and of course a lot of people are finding that conversation uh, very very helpful but um we've gotten lots of great feedback yeah. i will say the christmas spectacular 
um, Five Hour Christmas Spectacular. It was a great show. It was really, really nice to sit down and have a sort of fireside chat with people uh, that I really like and get their thoughts about um, what their lives are like around Christmas. It was great. Um, and we certainly, I believe that will be an annual tradition. Oh, so absolutely. Yeah, it absolutely. was so popular yeah. this year that it's certainly going to aim to be an annual tradition. So we will maybe make it six hours next year. Who knows? Um, my hyper-compacted snark fest, liberals, Democrats, and cultural Marxists, um, was a lot of fun. And, and some of the stuff, I know it was a little bit sort of the end of last year, but uh, some of the stuff we did uh, in the past about sort of making fun of liberals, uh, to me, was a lot of fun. Uh, yeah, the interviews with a lot of the guests um, were, were great. I enjoyed being able to break out the old vocal cords a little bit this year, then do some singing. That was fun. Um, the Venezuela, you know, that's a very popular video of ours. Uh, yeah. and the, the fall of Venezuela, one of the great tragedies, uh, and one of the great hypocrisies of the left, you know, when, when Chile went one way towards the free market and Venezuela went towards socialism, right? You had Hugo Chavez in Venezuela, you had a, a Pinochet in, uh, in Chile, uh, the left had a big problem and they had to demonize Chile, uh, and, and Pinochet as much as humanly possible, right? Which is why you had, um, uh, you know, books, books out uh, about the shock doctrine and all that. And you, even Sting was warbling about uh, Pinochet and so on. And uh, Chile, of course, has ended up in a pretty fantastic position relative to, well, relative to just about anywhere, but particularly relative to a place like Venezuela. And so the fact that um, the left all loved Hugo Chavez, Chavistas, so they were just considered to be the next great thing. And it was their answer to capitalism was to produce this wonderful society of these leftist doctrines. And of course, Everyone who, who had any common sense predicted it would be a disaster, and it is a complete and total uh, disaster. Like the, the, the guy in charge, the, he put uh, the, the army in charge of the food, and uh, the army's just running the black market, as you can imagine. So uh, the fact that we talked about that, it's gotten considerably worse. Uh, I'm not happy that we had to do that show, and I'm not happy at the outcome, but I'm pleased that we helped so many people, hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people, understand what was going on in Venezuela. And that, of course, had something to do with their view of the Democrats, right? With their view of immigration from South and Central America. Uh, well, you can look at the positive words that Bernie Sanders was saying about the Venezuelan government even recently. Right. And uh, it's pretty horrifying to think that he could have been in a position of power given those ideas and where they had. I'm uh, very proud of how we dealt with um, the tragedies uh, in, in, you know, it's, it's, you know, we're naturally, I mean, I'm certainly naturally a pretty happy person. And so as Mike, the way that you respectfully and responsibly and passionately and accurately deal with, with tragedies is important. Um, there is a, a tension that the mainstream media has when dealing with terrorism, which is all the politically correct stuff, which means that it kind of gets empty reporting drained of any emotion. But I think it is important to be passionate about the things that are uh, destructive, both going on in the Middle East and going on in Europe and other places as well. So very, very proud and pleased of the way we did that. And I'm going to sneak in the truth about crime, which I think is a great presentation. Um, and I, it's un underviewed a little bit. You know, I, I sort of hate, hate the phrase underrated because, you know, when you say underrated, what you basically mean is, well, I like it and other people don't agree with me and they're wrong. <laughs> but uh, I do think that is one. So, um, yeah, I mean, we published that one, I believe, right at the end of 2015. I'm sneaking it in under the wire. Sneaking um, it in, it counts. Uh, you know, it, I th I think it was so close that we're actually sort of around a year anniversary. So, so now that we've wrapped up the favorites, I do have a request for the listenership that, in the comment section below, and we normally don't ask for specific kinds of comments, but I think this is a great opportunity to. I want to see from you what what shows, what guests, what you want to see in 2017, and. There, I mean, there's stuff like, you know, do another show with Vox Day. I mean, I appreciate that. 
that's not helpful. We're going to do another show with Vox Day. That's, that I get. But stuff that's kind of outside the box. I want some crazy ideas. I want stuff that's outside of my periphery. I want people to throw some muck against the wall and we can see what sticks. I want unique ideas, unique guest ideas, unique topic subjects, maybe things we've never covered that you think we could add an interesting perspective to. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking for, and I hope people leave that in the comments below. And uh, I will... I normally don't read all the comments on the YouTube videos because, good God, who is the time? But this is one I will make a dedicated effort to uh, not only read the comments but try to respond where applicable. And, um, yeah, I think I want to harness the entire muscle of the listenership to throw out some great ideas to jumpstart 2017. I got some big things planned in the back of my mind for ideas. And um, if you want to add to that pile, please do. And I will also, and I will regret this. I know I will regret this. Steph and I earlier mentioned that it's the two of us working on this show, and it's, it's, it's a lot of work. I don't want a resume. I don't want anyone to send me, you know, I'd like to help. That's, that's not particularly helpful. But if people want to, you know, create something of value to the show, create something of value unsolicited without my feedback, without Steph's feedback, create something of value and go, here it is, as, let's say, an audition, and it shows up in my inbox, I would be interested to see that kind of stuff. Again, I don't have time to, how can I help those types of emails? I, we can't do that kind of stuff, just the sheer volume of email I get and the time would be required to help people that oftentimes don't exactly work out and provide what they say they're going to provide. But if you want to send me some demonstration of value that's like, look, I spent time on this. This is what I'm capable of. I would be interested to see that in my inbox. And you never know where that kind of thing might lead. So I want to put that out there. And I, I can't tell everyone just how brave it is for Mike to do that. <laughs> like this is going against every historical instinct of Mike. So don't waste his time. Make it fantastic. Because, you know, people are always saying, well, what can I do? What can I do? What can okay, you can influence us. We can influence the world. See how you have that kind of power? Please try and use it wisely. It's been a great pleasure, of course, working with our friends. It's been a great pleasure having the callers. It's been a great pleasure um, working with, with you, Mike, this year. And it has just been uh, a fantastic year, uh, well-deserved, well-earned, uh, well-executed. And um, looking back, you know, I can't really sit and say, well, we should have done this or we should have done that. And the absence of the woulda, shoulda, couldas uh, to me is a, is a great benefit of, uh, you know, we think through things ahead of time. Not a lot of what we do is random. <laughs> well, nothing of what we do is random, but um, it is not accidental that the positions that we take we are looking deep into the future and trying to uh, align um, what we do with having the most positive effect in the long run and uh, I think we did a fantastic job uh, with your help and your support this year and I just want to thank everyone so so much for giving us the opportunity and the venue and the support to do what it is that we're doing here. The world will never see anything like this again because everything that comes after this conversation, after this philosophical conversation, has this philosophical conversation as its predecessor. So this kind of ice breaking, this breaking into new ground, this awakening um, a propagandized world to the value of the Socratic method of reason and evidence, this will never, ever happen again in the history of the world. And just a reminder, if you do appreciate what we're doing, and I, I hope that you do, and if you, we can do it better, let us know. Please, please go to freedomainradio.com slash donate and help us out. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much, everyone, for 2016. And I just want to end up by saying 2016 was fantastic, but you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs>